Welcome to the Soulless Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Our passion as a church community is to see Jesus at the center of all things. For more sermon content and information, check out soullesschurch.com. It's pretty crazy to think about it. We can get so used to celebrating Christmas, but when we gather like this as the church, as Christians, and we celebrate the Christmas season, we are joining in with a tradition from the centuries. God's people throughout the past thousand years have been gathering like this to remember Jesus in this time of year. And so we want to be able to do that together. So let me read this, this passage to you. It's kind of, it might seem a bit peculiar, but I, I promise it's going to make sense to, in light of what we want to think about tonight. But John chapter 6 is... Well, really, John chapter 6 is a chapter in the Gospel of John. Let's start there, which if you're new to the Bible, this is where you should start. The Gospel of John is like the, the, the best first step if you want to get to know what is the Christian faith about, and especially, what is Jesus all about? Like I try to tell people who are struggling becoming Christians because they've studied Christians. They're like, I want to become a Christian, but I've spent some study time with my coworker. And I don't want to become that. Now, if that's where you're at, if like for you, the obstacle to faith for you is Christians, I'd encourage you, first of all, to um, get used to imperfect Christians, but also to study Jesus. Like if you, if you want to know what it's like to follow Jesus, uh, don't study his followers as much as study him because he's the, the goal that we're trying to aim for. And the Gospel of John's a great, great place for that. The Gospel of John is all about Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus is not some random um, teacher or even great teacher from history, another great man, another great speaker, some mysterious miracle worker. But the Gospel of John exists to communicate from Jesus' own close friends who did life with him that Jesus is so much more than just this man from Nazareth. He is the very Son of God. He is divinity in the flesh. He is God with us. And that's what the, the Gospel of John is all about. And you go through this book, and there's just these different like snapshots, these different moments in Jesus' life where you get to get a fresh glimpse into how true that is. These miracles he does, or these interactions that he has with the kind of people that nobody in that culture was talking to. These outcasts that Jesus would befriend and be close with. And it's like you get this vision of who God is by seeing Jesus interact. Now, there's a really interesting one here in John chapter 6. It's kind of the famous miracle where Jesus has multiplied, essentially, a kid's lunchable, okay? A couple fish and loaves. He took this kid's lunchbox, he multi- super, a miracle where he multiplied the food to feed thousands of people who were in need of food. Now, we, we pick up after that crowd of people has been hunting Jesus down. Like, this guy is pretty amazing. He just did this great miracle. In fact, there's this interesting verse where it says that Jesus perceived that they wanted to make him a, like a king. These were an oppressed people. And so they look on at this guy, Jesus, they're like, he should be a politician. We need to make him king. Imagine what this guy could do if we put him in government. He could get some great things done. All right? So back then, that's what people would do, right? Now, Jesus is not about that. He's not here to serve the needs and the mission, rather, of people. Jesus is not here to meet the needs that people come up with. Jesus is here on a mission from God to to actually provide something greater for humanity than politics can provide or a free lunch could provide. Jesus is here to give these people so much more than another miracle. He's come to give them something heavenly. 
He's come to give them something that they, they most desperately need. And so Jesus perceives that these people are kind of trying to use Jesus. They're, they want to use him for their own purposes. And so here's what he says to them. John 6, verse 27. Jesus says, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but instead for the food which endures to everlasting life. He's like, you're chasing after me for a free lunch. You just want me to do the whole lunchable miracle thing again. But, but don't, per, don't pursue earthly things. That, that's not what you really need. He said, instead, what you really need is something eternal, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? In other words, okay, if you're not going to do this miracle for us, can you teach us how to feed 5,000 people? Can we learn that one? And Jesus said, Notice this, this is the work of God. They wanted to know the works. He's like, here's the singular work of God, that you believe in Jesus, that you believe in him whom God has sent. Therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? Now if I was Jesus, I'd be like, what about the last one, okay? But they're like, we want to believe. What and so they're always chasing another sign, another miracle for their faith. Jesus responds to this question. Oh, rather, they, they go back to the Old Testament in verse 31. Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat, talking about an event there with Moses. Jesus said to them, most surely I say to you, Moses isn't the one who gave you bread from heaven. That was a work of God. But my father gives you, here I am, the true bread from heaven. Now, this is, what you're going to see here is something that happens kind of commonly when Jesus is in conversation with people. Jesus is speaking something that's kind of mysterious and spiritual but profound, and the people he's speaking to are just not getting it, okay? They're just missing the point he's trying to make. So he's like, what you need is true bread from heaven. And, I, and you kind of would hope that at that point, somebody in the crowd would do what the little kids were doing with Isaac, where they're like, Jesus, yeah! Like, they know the answer, and they're like, we get it, but notice, notice the difficulty here. So first Jesus says, you need the true bread from heaven, speaking of himself. And then the next thing he says in verse 33 is, for the bread of God, he gets even more clear because they're not getting it, is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now at this point, they'd go, oh, it's a metaphor. Okay, it's a metaphor. Jesus is talking about himself, clearly. Look at the next verse. The next verse, they say, Lord Give us this bread always. We, we out here trying to get this bread, Jesus, okay? All right, we need the, and Jesus is like, now look at, he, he, he has to get, he's like, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, okay? Like, I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the one you need. That's the point he's trying to make. These people just want him to perform the miracle again. He's like, no, I'm what you truly need. And look at this incredible promise he makes. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. Verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Any person that ever begins a relationship with God does so because God began to initiate that in their heart first. God is the one who pursues man. It's not the other way around. And we respond to the Father calling us to get to know Jesus. Jesus says this, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And look at this incredible promise. And the one who comes to me, 
I will by no means cast out. I'm going to accept you. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up on the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So Jesus takes a little while to get these people to under, it takes them a little while rather to get to the point of seeing what Jesus is trying to say. But once he makes it clear, he makes some incredible claims about himself as what they really need in life. Now, this whole theme tonight, as you've seen up on the screen, we've been trying to sing about it. You see it up there right now. We've themed tonight, every Christmas, it's a great journey together to go, okay, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, but you know, what is the angle that we're looking at it? Uh, at this this year and this year the theme that we felt that the Lord gave our team was this theme of heaven to earth heaven to earth I mean that's what Jesus is really trying to convey here to these people that he's performed miracles for he's trying to get them to understand what he says in verse 38 that I have come down from heaven first and foremost I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. They want Jesus to, to do some earthly things, but Jesus is like, no, what you really need is something from heaven. You need a heavenly gift. And Jesus says about himself, by the way, he's the only person who could ever have said this in history. Only Jesus can make this claim. I've come here from heaven. Now, we all want to go from here to heaven, but nobody in here could say, I'm here from heaven. How's it going? My first time here. What's it like here on earth, right? None of us can say that. But Jesus was not just a man. He was God himself who existed from eternity past, and he entered history. God left heaven and came even in the form of a baby, of a helpless child. This is what Jesus is saying. I've come from heaven to earth. I grew up, I can't help but think of the song I grew up singing in church. He came from heaven to earth. Let's stop. All right. This is true. This is like theology 101, that Jesus came from heaven to earth. But it's so, listen, it's so much more than that. Jesus didn't just come from heaven to earth. He came to bring heaven to earth. He came from heaven to earth and he brought heaven with him. And his mission, and we see that even in this verse, I've come from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. I am here to accomplish a heavenly mission, and that mission is to make sure every person on this earth gets heaven. You see, this is what we were created for. This is what Jesus is alluding to. He's speaking about this mission because something's wrong. There's something broken in the world. There's something missing, not just around us, but within us. I came face to face with that missing link, with that broken piece of my life. At 17 years old, it was clear as day. I recognized in and of myself, I'm missing what I was created for. And this is true of the human story. This is, this is what's wrong with the world. There's been a separation between heaven and earth. In the beginning, the vision of the Bible is that heaven and earth, they're one. The humanity was created to walk with God, be in fellowship with God. That was the definition, by the way, of heaven. Relationship with God. Not so much just a place, but a person that we were created to know and walk with and find meaning in and find purpose in and be loved by and live for. 
And then sin entered this world and separated that union between heaven and earth. And, and it did more than that. And if you have lived long enough, you can attest to this. Life is not just a division between heaven and earth. It is also a, a bit of a unity between earth and hell. Maybe you've experienced some of that. You're like, heaven to earth? I've had nothing but hell on earth. And that's true. That's true of the condition of this world in our lives. Um, have you ever watched the news? Have you come face to face with this without or within? It's clear this is not the world that God created. And so Jesus shows up on the scene to a community of people who were certainly experiencing some form of hell on earth. And though they were missing the point that he was making, what he ultimately wanted them to get at was to receive the gift of heaven. Now, that can sort of just be spiritual talk, like metaphysical ideas. You know, have you had heaven in your life? You're like, well, I, I don't know. I had a really good steak last week, and it was close. Like, what does that actually mean? Like, what does it mean for you to look at your life and test whether or not you've had heaven come to your life? What does it mean for you to be able to say, heaven has come to earth in, in my life? Well, Jesus says, in him, you can find these three things confidently. You can find first heavenly fulfillment in Jesus. Notice that, that these, these crowds of people were trying to get him to do another miracle because the, the truth was they were still hungry. The thing that he had done for them last time, it, it didn't fully satisfy them, so they needed more. I mean, that's just true of it. Like, I've had moments where I have eaten to the point of, like, I'm, I'm going to die I just ate so much. This is not good, you know? My kids are like just shaking their head at me. I've been there. And I've even like vowed, like I will never eat again, okay? This is, this is my, I'm fasting from here on out after that meal. And the truth is, you know, 12 o'clock the next day just comes around. Usually 11.52, but, um, and I get that signal, you know, chipotle, chipotle, right? But I was still hungry. The point, the point that Jesus is making, that's not just true of bread. That's not just true of food. That's true of anything you try to satisfy your life with. It gratifies for the moment, but the next day you're still left longing for greater fulfillment. So Jesus says about himself, I am the bread of life. Notice this again. He who comes to me shall never hunger. By the way, that's a bold claim to make. No other religious teacher or leader from history has said this about themselves. Jesus doesn't just say, here's kind of my set of teaching for, for a good life. He says, if you come into relationship with me, you will be fully fulfilled. There's this great quote that kind of summarizes this, and it's from a, an ancient church father, Augustine, and he said this, Augustine, he said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. So maybe tonight you can resonate with this. Maybe this is the hell on earth you've experienced, this sort of restlessness. And you're just struggling to come to a place of what is my life about and what is the meaning that I'm looking for? And can I tell you, as Jesus himself promises, it will only be found in relationship with God. And that has been offered and given to you through his son, Jesus. You were made for God you were made by him on purpose and for a purpose, to know him, to live in him and for him. And you and my heart will be restless until we find rest and satisfaction in God and God alone. He's the one. I'm telling you from personal experience, 
it doesn't do the trick. It will not satisfy. Whatever that thing is, Jesus and Jesus alone. A relationship with Jesus changes everything. Jesus also promised more than heavenly fulfillment. He promised heavenly acceptance. I mean, it would have been enough if he just said, hey, I've come to fulfill the human soul by reconnecting them to relationship with God. But he says, beyond that, I've also come to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that, listen, whoever you are, whatever you've done, you can come to God and he will not reject you. And maybe that's the main thing tonight that's keeping you from a relationship with God because you know you. And you know what you've done. And you even right now are saying, you know, preacher guy, you don't know what I have done. Can I say I don't know what you've done? God knows what you've done. Jesus knows what you've done. And here's what Jesus says to you. He says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. In other words, Jesus says, when you come to me, and you want relationship with God, I don't look at you and inspect you and go, no, you're not fit for my love. I'm going to cast you out. He says, I I will by no means do that. Jesus comes to show us what God is really like, which is way more loving than you think he is. He's way more gracious than you're sinful. He's way more of a savior than you are enslaved. He is way more powerful to redeem you and cleanse you and forgive you than you are able to mess your life up. That's why the Christian faith is centered around something called the good news of the gospel. That it's not about us. It's not about our acceptability to God. It's about this fact that the honest truth is we have all fallen short of of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all on our own become unacceptable. But here's the good news of the gospel. Jesus comes to earth and he goes and he dies on a cross. Jesus was actually the truly only acceptable human. Jesus is the only one who who has ever been tempted with sin and walked this life but, but didn't sin. He's the spotless lamb of God. That's why Jesus is able to go on a cross. And on that cross, the Bible says that God takes you and my sin and he puts it on Jesus. And here's, I'm not sure what you've, you've thought Christian, Christianity to be. This, it's about this great, crazy exchange where you like walk out of the store and you're like, how did I get, the, I didn't, how did I get this deal? This is the Christian faith. You and I don't deserve a relationship with God. We deserve the opposite. Jesus deserves a relationship with God, but he trades places with us. He goes on a cross and he becomes sin. That's what the Bible says, that God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin on your and my behalf. Us of us who acknowledge that we are sinners. And he says this, not only am I going to take your sin, but here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to, to put away once and for all this system where you try to earn my love. And I'm just going to gift you my righteousness. I'm going to, I'm going to just cleanse you once and for all. I'm going to, and it, this is so important, I'm not just going to pay your debt but I'm going to download millions and millions of dollars of spiritual blessing into your account. This is the Christian faith. I heard it said recently, what's so good about the Christian faith is not just that Jesus pays your debt. Here's the good news of being a Christian. You can never go into debt again. You are always a son, a daughter of God, loved and accepted through Jesus. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus came to do for you and me. This was hard for people to get. There are these religious people in that time that felt like Jesus was pushing the limits a little too far about God's love. And he was doing this thing called hanging out with non-church people. 
whoa, all right? You mean they're not just like holy roller cloud walkers that kind of walk around doing miracles? That Christians are actually like just normal neighbors and coworkers? And that, that was Jesus. He was called the friend of sinners. And they complained to his disciples, like, why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? Those are sinful people. If you go around them, aren't you going to, like, catch their sin? Jesus, I love that they're asking the disciples, but Jesus answers. He's like, I got this, boys. All right? He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, the point is, do. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What Jesus wants us to understand is that he's not intimidated by your sin. He's not intimidated by your brokenness. He is not going to inspect what's wrong with you and then cast you out for whatever reason you think disqualifies you from the love of God. Jesus promised, what an incredible claim, heavenly acceptance. Have you experienced this in your life? Have you experienced the joy of being accepted by God through his son Jesus? That's what the gospel promises. And lastly, Jesus promises heavenly hope. We can't just talk about fulfillment. We can't just talk about the fact that God's arms are so much wider than we think, bringing us into relationship. Jesus also says, I've come to bring heavenly hope. It's the mission he's on. He says, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but I've come to do the will of God who sent me here. And this is the will of God who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. This is speaking to a day where death will not have the final word over those who have faith in Jesus. The biggest enemy that each of us all face at the end of the day is is death. The fact that my life here on this earth will come to an end, and then what? See, death is the problem. The Bible says that that it's because of sin that death is reigning in the world. Death is unmatched. (laughs) Ten out of ten people die. Jesus comes to offer the greatest hope we could ever dream of, and that is victory over death. Eternal life, he says. Heaven, life forever with God. It's heavenly hope. Jesus came from heaven to earth to bring the heavenly hope of eternal life to you. If you want to be able to live your life with a confidence that death is no longer the biggest enemy in your life because of Jesus, if you want to be able to live with this confidence that says, though I die, I will live with God forever You must place your faith and trust in Jesus. You're invited to do that. Here's what the Bible says in Romans. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our prayer for you on this Christmas season, um, even tonight, is that you would personally know what it's like to experience heaven here on earth. And can I tell you, there's some great experiences in life that I've had with my family vacations and time together as a dad. There, there's sometimes there's just these moments like light kind of breaking into the room. There's these moments where you do experience heaven on earth. But the kind of heaven on earth that Jesus has come to give us is not just a moment, it's eternal. It's a fulfillment that lasts. It's an acceptance that, that gives you a security to go, I can always run to God because he's going to accept me. And it's this hope, it's this hope that though death is scary, In Jesus, eternal life is available. In Jesus, eternal life has been secured. Heaven to earth.